welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I shall be your host for this evening. Now tonight's show is a quick start on the Kickstart episode and it's going to be called Expanding Your Survival in This Era. Now I know why it's called that and you will know why it's called that because um, joining me tonight from Shades of Vengeance Games is a gentleman by the name of Ed Jowett and we've brought Ed on because it's a quick start on the kickstart which means he's running a kickstarter campaign so he's come on tonight to tell us a little bit about himself and to tell us an awful lot more about his campaign on kickstarter so good evening Ed. Good evening thank you very much for having me. It's it's a joy we have been speaking for a little while back and forward and um, tonight is the night where we have a chat which is always very very good. Are you good this evening? I'm great this evening, thank you. Uh, I hope you're the same, and I hope your listeners are also the same. <laughs> we never check on how they're doing. We always assume that they're doing fine. Usually when we ask them what they're doing, they're saying, do you mind, I'm trying to get this turn sorted out, um, or they're role-playing or something like that. For everybody who is out there, though, if you've um, not listened to us before, hello, thank you for listening to us. Um, the reason that we do this is because we wholeheartedly believe, without a shadow of the doubt, that there are simply not enough podcasts out there about board games and tabletop. Um, I've checked iTunes thoroughly. I've now moved on to Acast. I'm halfway through that. I'm considering looking through Stitcher as well. There's just us and a handful of others. And the second reason that we do this is because, well, as you everybody knows, um, we are big fans of the UK Kickstarter scene, and every now and again we like to get an upstanding member of the community on. Um, unfortunately, an upstanding member of the community wasn't available, so we got Ed yeah, on so instead. instead. Yeah, no, I saw that one coming. <laughs> I'm only joking. No, the rest of the show's going to be like, it's not, I promise, I promise. But um, one of the things we like to do when we do have somebody on is that I will shut up and I will sit back and I will listen to your good self. And um, what people like to know a little bit more about is kind of how you got into the hobby. So we like to have a little look back at the past, as we say. We like to have a stare at the kind of the zombie horde of the present. And we like to have a little old peekaboo at the future. So, um, first of all, just, you know, a little bit of a background. How did you get into the kind of the, the kind of the whole tabletop kind of board game, card game, RPG scene? What's your, what is your history, as we would say? <laughs> Well, my history is quite interesting. Um, I've been sort of creating games in inverted commas for, honestly, as long as I can remember. I remember actually coming across something that I wrote when I was seven years old. Okay. Um, that, you know, it was very, very primitive, but it had some rather interesting ideas in it. Um, and actually, one of the things that featured in it ended up in my science fiction game, Era of the Consortium, as an alien race. A okay. little bit, little bit tweaked, but... You know, essentially the same idea. Okay. So, um, you know, I've been doing this this kind of thing for as long as I can remember. I've been inspired by everything around me. In particular, I'm a sci-fi guy, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that a little later. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'm inspired by everything around me. It gives me ideas. You know, I go, oh, that would make a fantastic game. Um, you know, let's 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 make something that, that captures the spirit of what this thing is. So, what do you do? You have any first memories of any you know any games that you played, or did you mostly kind of do an awful lot of stuff yourself? Um, I, I I did play a few um, a few other games. Um, I played a fairly limited selection uh, until I was about nineteen and I went to university. Okay. Um, but I tried D and D third. Yeah. Um, I created a monk which had seventy six armor class. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Because that was when I learned min-maxing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. So you were a tank, um, essentially. I, I was a monk tank with no ability to hit anything at all. <laughs> you were um, the ultimate... You were the kind of the ultimate opposite of what they call a glass cannon. Yeah, no, that was exactly it. I could do absolutely <laughs> no damage whatsoever. Oh, dear. But nothing could hit me. Um, oh, dear. And... Uh, you know, I moved. I moved into World of Warcraft uh, before I went to university. A couple of years before I went, yeah, uh, it was it was vanilla still at that stage. And um, you know, I, I rolled a warrior tank, and I played for seven years um, as a warrior tank who had massive dodge. 
Um, uh, exactly the same principle as, as the monk, of course. Um, so, you know, when, when I finished doing that, um, you know, and even during, I was, I went to university, I went to Durham University, uh, which oh, is right, up in yeah, your yeah, yeah. general neck of the woods. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I was quite quickly roped into the, uh, Indoor Gaming Society. Now, uh, my first day acting as a, uh, player for that, uh, society, I played Paranoia. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a ball. I had a, had an absolute whale of a time. Good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, then, so there were a little shorter people the following week. So they sort of turned to me and said, Ed, um, you're quite good at this stuff. Can, can, can you GM something, please? All right, okay. Um, at which point, you know, I got immediately thrust into the GM chair and, and really, uh, given it being a, a university tabletop game sock, I never really got out of it. Um, <laughs> and that's that's kind of where um, I learned a lot of the other systems uh, that, I've, that I've played with. Um, mm. It's where I first played World of Darkness. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, I really loved the multiple D10 aspect of that because I am one of those people who cannot roll for crap. <laughs> Seriously, I roll a d20 like 90% of the time it is 5 or less Really? Why do you think I needed 76 armor class? Because <laughs> <laughs> you were rolling nat ones Exactly So, um, you know, I, I said, okay, fine um, You know, I'll sit here, I'll be the GM Everyone can then win because I still roll uselessly Yeah Um. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I ended up running a lot of a lot of games Okay. And uh, so were you like um, were you like the easy mode then? If <laughs> people were having a, <laughs> people were having a tough time. To, to it's start like with, do you want to dial us down from medium down to Ed? To, to start with, yes, but then <laughs> after a while I, I came across a D twenty that I bought. And I primarily bought it because it was bright orange. Alright. But I don't know if you know about the dice that were included with the D and D third ed that were bright orange. Were they not? Was there not some kind of flaw? They were horribly the way... unbalanced. Yeah, there was some kind of flaw with the way that they they were made, yeah. so they they kind of ended up rolling statistically kind of certain numbers more than Correct. others. Correct. Remember somebody talking about this? Yeah, that's that's right. And um, this dice quickly became christened the Orange Dice of Death, <laughs> because literally anyone who rolled against it would instantly die every time. <laughs> So, you know, whenever a player got on my nerves, I'd sort of pull out the dice and I'm like, okay, orange dice of death. They're like, no, 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 okay, okay, I'll stop messing around, I promise. Did they not end up calling it like, you know, I know he's about to roll the jowet? Maybe that's a university term now. It's like, you don't, you're not aware of this, but a jowet is a term of phrase for a dice which just rolls unnaturally large amounts of death in despair against people. I can't tell if you're pulling my leg. No, maybe that's true. No, 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 not at all. I don't pull, I don't pull people's legs. I'll tell you what. I'll, no, I can't find my dice at the moment. Um, <laughs> but did you stay within the RPG scene? I mean, you obviously sounded like you got quite a taste for it. Did you venture outside? Did you? I take it. Did you stay in the? Did you stay in the society through your entire kind of university time? And yeah, then, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and what what happened? You see, is every year Durham University does a twenty four hour game. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, all of the players play for 24 hours. There are six GMs, so one has time off yeah. uh, in any given slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Durham University Indoor Gaming Sock does, or, or at least di- had done for many, many years, I genuinely don't know if they've continued, um, is they always create their own little IP, right? Mm-hmm. They never play an existing game. They always make something of their own with their own world. So, uh, you know, I, I was I was co-opted onto that panel, and I said, okay, um, what are we going to do? And sort of the favourite the favorite closest thing had been uh, the Firefly role-playing game. All right, okay. Um, you know, and that was the thing that people were asking for. So we said, okay, okay, um, sci-fi it is then. All right? Um, and we came up with this idea of a system that, much like uh, the one in Firefly... Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> much like the one in Firefly, it, uh, you know, it had... Uh, Lots of technology at the centre, and the further out you got, the less it, the less there was, and so on. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we developed, uh, you know, sort of the rudimentary idea. Um, people said, "Oh, wait, we need to have aliens," which is the point at which I supplied the Ulutians and the Zimians. Um, 
and said, okay, look, let's use these aliens I came up with them ages ago, and here's what they look like, and here's, you know, here's how they would work mechanically. Was that the ones um, that you made when you were seven? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, exactly, yeah. One when I was seven, <laughs> one when I was nine. Um, but yes, those ones. Um, and, you know, we, we sort of we sort of worked them through and so on and, and put them in this, this scenario. And, uh, you know, then we said, okay, um, you know, we came up with a, a really awesome five-session campaign with all these interweaving bits for five groups to do bits and pieces and the groups would meet up and sort of switch and so on and so forth so the groups wouldn't be constant groups. And and we went out there and, and everyone absolutely loved it. Um, we only had one person play an alien for some reason. You know, everyone wants to play humans. Yeah. Um, but uh, we only had one person play an alien, but uh, the entire the entire event was a real success. Everyone had a fantastic time and, uh, you know, I kind of then moved on and, and sort of broadly forgot about it. And I went, I went into the world of work. Um, I uh, had a software engineering degree, so I went to be a computer programmer. Okay, okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I went in and I, I sort of I sat there for a year and gradually got more and more bored of not playing any role-playing games at all. Mm-hmm. And then one day I decided, okay, you know what? Um, there's a, there was what was called Trash, a mailing list at work where sort of off-topic stuff went. So I sent an email to Trash and said, hey, guys, um, I'm, you know, I've previously had a lot of experiences running RPGs and I thought I'd sort of a group. My flat has enough space for, you know, for, for 10 people to sit down. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who'd like to join me, go ahead and drop me an email, right? About five people from work and a few of my own friends and family said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go. Yeah, cool. And uh, what I did initially is I actually rehashed that exact same uh, campaign that we created at Durham. The Firefly you know, one, then? Yeah. Uh, the, the Firefly-esque one. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, I named it the Consortium. Um, you know, I, I uh, sort of tweaked the scenario a little bit. And, uh, you know, we sat down, we did a five-session campaign where, the, you know, they had this massive epic storyline and they all loved it. And at the end of that, um, after the epic ending, which I'm not going to tell you about, and if any of your <laughs> listeners want to know what the epic ending is, come and see us at a convention. You get to play the last half hour of the last session. Oh, right. Okay, and it's awesome. Cool. That's okay. our taster session for Era of the Consortium, is the last half hour of that last session of that campaign. Awesome. And um, so, uh, you know, at the end of that, my brother actually turned to me. He was one of the players, and he said, hey, um, I'd love to run a game. I'd love to give it a go. Can you write down the rules for me? Okay. Right? And at this point, you know, I was GMing from a mashup of World of Darkness rules and my own tweaks and all kind of, it was a complete mess. I'll be honest. And I didn't have anything written down at all. Um, I didn't even own a World of Darkness rulebook that I could hand him and say, yeah, you basically wing it off this. So I went away to write this down. And how long did it take you to write down then? Well, not very long, a uh, couple of weeks, you know, to write down something. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I showed it to a friend of mine uh, yeah. who I'd played with World of Warcraft on for, for, you know, most of those seven years. And he said, Ed, Ed, I know I know Kevin Sabida from um, Palladium. Yeah. You've got to publish this. This is fantastic. It's brilliant. I mean, the, the, the whole scenario is fantastic. Um, you know, the rules really flow really well. Um, you got you got to publish this. You got to do something, and um, you know. I, did you I, um, did you believe him at the time, or did you think he? Not was... really. No, no. I, yeah. I thought he was just being nice. You know, I mean, he'd been my friend for a long time, and you know, I thought he was being a bit over enthusiastic. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I thought, okay, you know what? I'll. You you know how the sort of really, um, sort of cheap end of RPGs which sell for pay what you want. You know, they're yeah. black and white, no artwork, yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. I figured, okay, I'll do one of those, right? I can lay it out nicely. I know how to use Microsoft Word. So, you know, I can do um, backgrounds behind things and so on and so forth and use stock images and so on. So I put something together and I got chatting with the actually the documentation guy at my work at the time, uh, Chris. And, uh, you know, he gave me some advice on how to lay stuff out to make it clear and so on and so forth. And... You know, as as it went on, I just kind of sort of got more and more into the idea of doing something that was a bit bigger. And it all started, really, the, the actual project started with, um, I found an artist who would do uh, an A3 image that I was then going to print and give to everyone who had been in the, you know, who had been in the original group. And yeah. the idea was that, um, you know, each of them would contribute a small amount of money 
um, to help get this image to happen. And yeah. each of their characters would then appear in the image, right? Okay. So, um, you how know... Long ago, how long are we talking ago? We're how talking about five years ago now. All right, okay. Just to give yeah. an idea in the kind of the way back clock, where are we? Where are yeah, we no, that, that's about day? five years ago now. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, the, everyone was very generous. You know, they gave in some money and, you know, we put something together. Um, so, you know, I, I found this fantastic artist and, you know, he was charging a fair amount of money. Um, yeah. $1,000 for this image. And, you know, my friends who were in the group gave me a hand and we came out with something really, really good. And, you know, I was sat here looking at this image, which was AAA quality. You know, you, if, Mag- if Magic the Gathering was a sci-fi game, you could see this in that game, right? Um, as an image. And you're sat there looking at this image and going, okay, well, I'm going to slap this on the front of a free-to-play book. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. What? Why am I creating something that I really believe in, that I've enjoyed, that I've loved, that I've played with my friends, that I've had a massive amount of fun with, and then doing half of the work? And I just thought to myself, okay, what what would it actually cost to, to do this properly? And from there, it just exploded, right? Um, five years later, um, I've created six role-playing games and a card game. Um, okay. I've got five more role-playing games in various states of the drawing board. Um, I've got three more card games, um, which are, you know, basically awaiting artwork and a few tweaks to the rules. Um, you know, I've done sci-fi, I've done low fantasy, I've done high fantasy, I've done... Um, superheroes, I've done survival horror, I've done uh, modern with with kind of superpowers as well, but doesn't have to have superpowers, so modern. Um, I've done a card game, which is, you know, kind of a quick play thing. I've done a longer card game. I've done co-op card game. You know, I, I've literally tried to just, just go for every single genre and give it a go. Talk know? to me about the card games, because the RPGs... I can kind of understand because you mm-hmm. did a lot of stuff at university and therefore it sounded like you had always been since a young age kind of inventing characters. Mm. But there is, well, in my mind, there is a mass, there's a relatively large difference between, say, sitting down and playing something like Star Realms or Magic the Gathering or even, you know, Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Spawn and sitting down and playing like a game of Pathfinder or Shadowrun or yeah, do you know what I mean? So yeah, so no, what, what kind of attracted yeah. you? I mean, did you were you were you constantly were you still playing other systems or were you still kind of involved in your own system at that point? Did you still get a chance to play other games and what made you decide on the card game type? I of thing? I always keep trying to play other games all the time because I think understanding whose shoulders you're standing on. Yeah. understanding where your game is coming from. And if you think you've come up with a new mechanic, yeah. you know, that's fantastic. You know, a- anyone who comes up with something new on their own, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter if it's been done before or not. If you've actually reached there on your own, you can be proud, right? But understanding whose shoulders you're standing on is always a good place to start, right? Because a lot of things have already been done, and reinventing the wheel is a very long and arduous process if you can take the existing wheel and shave some bits off it and yeah. add some some of your own bits to it and actually reach exactly the same thing. Yeah, do you think sometimes so, that there's a big do you think sometimes there's a big push for people to be so different from things that work that sometimes it kind of falls by the wayside that it doesn't end up working like it's change for change sake? I think I think there are two schools of thought on that. Um, and actually, almost exactly a year ago, I sat on a panel at UK Games Expo, mm-hmm. and um, I I watched an individual who will remain nameless um, say that there is no point in inventing your rule, your own rules. Just write modules for existing games. Did you um, did you clench your fists above or below the table? Um, actually, <laughs> yeah. I I did neither. I waited very patiently for my turn. And then explained why I believed this individual was wrong. <laughs> of course. Um, the entire the entire panel burst out laughing. It was it was it was a great moment. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I you know I was very logical. I I can definitely see that the people who want to remain sort of they're one hundred percent happy with D and D or Savage Worlds or Apocalypse World or a million other things. Yeah. Right. If you really are a hundred percent happy with it, and there is nothing at all that you want to change. Yeah, make a module for that game. That's that is the right thing for you. Yeah. For me, 
I've never quite found something I was 100% happy with. I found things I was 90% happy with or 80% mm-hmm. happy with. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when, when one mechanic breaks the game for me and makes it unplayable, and um, one of my favourite sci-fi games, role-playing games that I've ever played that is not one of mine is Eclipse Face. Absolutely love that game. Love the setting. Love everything about it. Except for the hacking rules. Oh, right. Okay. Because the hacking rules are just unspeakably painful. You know, I, I cannot sit down and play through those hacking rules and take them seriously because they've, you know, it, it feels like this integral part of the game because it's such a cyberpunk kind of universe has just been neglected in in such a way as making it realistic. And, and this is what you were talking about. They've made it different for differences sake and it doesn't yeah. work as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, and again, everyone is, everyone is 100% entitled to their own opinion. I am 100% sure there are a million people out there who love the hacking rules of Eclipse Phase. Some of them may even be listening to this podcast, but I find them too difficult, too crunchy, too slow, you know, uh, and they delay the flow of gameplay, you know, and, and while the rest of that system works broadly rather well, yeah. that broke it for me. Uh, also the fact that min-maxing, and I've learned my lesson about min-maxing from the 76 armor class monk, but... Um, <laughs> But not all of my current group have, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and everyone also knows that Eclipse Face character creation is inherently broken. You know, everyone knows that, and no one cares. You don't mm. play the game because the character creation is perfect. Yeah. Um, Are you of the view then that if that sometimes emulating an actual action should be more streamlined than making the mechanics try and act on how you're kind of meant to be acting? Do you know what I mean? I, I As in, if so you're saying, example, look at it this way, look at it, okay, yeah. a, lad, an, a ladder example, okay? Mm. So, for instance, you know, <clears throat> there's a way of saying, climb a ladder, and then asking the person to roll a dice every rung that they take up the ladder, or the alternative is to say, you're going to be climbing a ladder, and ask them to roll once, so they're just covering the entire ladder kind of thing, and thus stopping yeah. them from, from breaking the game due to, I guess, unnecessary additional mechanics. Right. Um, so, I mean, again, that comes very much down to the individual group. So the way mm. I tend, what I believe in, is that I believe that if you want to have climbing a ladder being a mechanic for every rung, yeah. you sh- should probably be playing a computer game because all you really care about is mechanical perfection. Right, okay. Right? Computers can do those roles for you in no time flat. You know, mm. uh, Neverwinter Nights was a brilliant example of where, you know, again, if you played as a monk you would just have an insane number of roles appearing in no time flat, right? Yeah, and yeah. you could follow those across the screen and pause the game and find out what you'd done and so on and so forth. And that was great, right? Yeah. If that's what you want, if that's what you want out of your game, if you are that kind of person, then fantastic. Have fun. Spend your time doing that. <laughs> For me, that's not why I sit around and play a role-playing game. I play no. a role-playing game because a role-playing game offers you an opportunity to play games that you can't play on a computer. You know, yeah. you have infinite choice. If you want to shoot the quest giver in the head with an arrow, rock on. You yeah. face the consequences, but there's nothing that stops you from doing whatever you like. Yeah, And that's no. why I play role-playing games, because I play a lot of computer games as well. Um, I'm currently playing, uh, just trying to do my third playthrough of XCOM 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I believe in mechanics. I believe in good mechanics, and I believe XCOM has them. Yeah. Right. Um. And and they certainly have their place, but I would not want to sit there playing XCOM in role playing game form where it was exactly the same thing, right? Okay. Where you're just running around on a map and you're shooting people, and you know you roll a dice to see if you hit or miss, and then you roll a dice to see if you damage. And if that's the entirety of what you're doing in your role playing game, in my opinion, you're missing the point of a role playing game. So the card game then, what's the kind of the card? As I say, that you know the. Moving back into the card games, what are the card games kind of about? I mean, how do you strip down someone like yourself that is obviously is thinking about systems and mechanics and stuff like that, but obviously looking to make it as streamlined as possible? Was it therefore quite easy for you to say, okay, this is how my card game is going to work? And and is it based? Is it close to any particular style of card game? Would you say? I um I think probably the closest card game you would find to it is something a bit like Hearthstone. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I played Hearthstone for the first time. Um, I was actually introduced to it by one of my team at our first convention. All right. Uh, which is now four years ago. 
Oh man, uh, four whole years ago, <laughs> like literally four years oh, and a week, right? Um, was our first convention, and and I was introduced to Hearthstone at that stage by by um, my uh, co-writer on many many of my projects, John. Uh, he's a oh, great right, guy, okay. yeah, um, yeah. and he introduced me to Hearthstone, and you know, I I sat there and I thought about it, and I thought, okay, well, what is this? It's a number matching game where the cards basically have abilities. Okay. You know, I, I can get behind that. I can see that. I can understand that. Um, and I basically took that and I made it person playable. And I changed the theme to something that I was more interested in. I was inspired by, um, I don't know if you know, the very old sci-fi movie Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh my goodness, yes. So in it that was, movie, was it not known listeners... for the it was not known for the actor kind of dying halfway through the scene, so they had to replace it with <laughs> shots of him or something like that. I believe it was known for uh, being the absolute worst sci-fi movie ever made. Yes, <laughs> um, like the UFOs are clearly spinning plates. Yeah, you know, it, it was bad. stuff like that. Who it's was bad. it? Who was it? Did that? Who was it? I can't remember. Oh, I'll tell you Bella... what. I'm terrible with names. It wasn't oh, Bella? No, it you. wasn't Bella Lugosi. It was no, somebody it else that. anyway. It was. I know it was. Um, we're gonna have to. Do you know what? We're gonna have to stop and Google this, Ed. Because <laughs> well, let's look, look look at this way, right? If you don't know, and I don't know, it's someone called Edward. Actually, it's I'm not Edward, sure. is it's it? Ed Edward. It is. Actually, it is Edward, isn't it? It is Edward. It's Edward that went was um, played in a film um, by Johnny Depp. Edward. Yep. So Edward. there you go. Plan nine. So there you go. That's. I, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel I can potentially sleep a lot better tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah you mentioned pl- yeah plan nine yeah. from outer space so yeah. plan nine from outer space in that movie just for the benefit of your listeners for some reason the aliens decide that the best way of invading earth is to raise the undead i, I i'm not quite sure why and they didn't really explain it very well they just sort of decided so i thought okay this is this is a fantastic fodder for something that just does not take itself seriously at all <laughs> right um, and I said, okay, well, the undead alone aren't quite enough. So what mm. I'll do is I'll add creatures as well, right? So like werewolves and, and um, you know, uh, ogres and trolls and so on. So I added, you know, I added a bunch of creatures. I had a bunch of undead. I had a bunch of aliens. Um, and basically you sit there and you, you are one of the last champions of Earth who has to defend against this alien invasion. And, um, you know, you, you have bits of equipment that you can use that, you know, vary in hilarity as well as usefulness. So you get the brick, uh, which is one of the weakest items there is. Uh, you get the yep. Segway, which you can zip past a creature with. Um, <laughs> you, you, you get the nuclear bomb. You know, you, you get uh, the bacteria, which instantly kills all the aliens. And so on and so on and so on. And the deck is slightly stacked against the players, so they have to work together. But whoever gets the most kills wins. So you kind of have to work together and you have to kind of not work together. So you have that balance, yeah, which is really quite interesting. And the reason that I got into card games, uh, I mean, I dodged that question earlier accidentally. But the reason I got into card games is I know that my family will never play a card game except for my brother. And my sister, actually, who, who played for a while as well. My parents will never play a role-playing game, and they don't entirely understand what I do or, or how I create games or, or, or anything about it, really. Um, you know, it's just kind of that crazy thing I, that Ed does. Yeah, I kind of don't... I don't Yeah, I don't think parents kind of do that until you're able to say, well, look, here's this that's all been... It's got well, my yeah, name I mean, on I, it, and it's got I, my I handed them a 300-page full-colour rulebook with AAA quality writing and images, yeah. and they went... Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, oh, cheers, thanks. Thanks, look, looking for some validation in my life, and I just came up yeah. a little bit short. Thanks, <laughs> so parents, thanks, mum right. and dad. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I I said to myself, okay, look, um, I can build a card game that my parents will play, that my family can sit down at Christmas and play all together. Everyone yeah. will enjoy it. My brother will get the opportunity to backstab a few people, um, uh, you know, because that's a thing that he likes in games. Okay. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I basically built a game that my family would sit down and play. And have they played it? Yeah, they played it. Um, we had a really good time uh, last Christmas. It was actually still playing off the prototype then, so um, my parents haven't yet seen the, the final artwork and stuff. Um, 
I'm gonna. I, I've not seen them in a, in a few weeks, and they haven't had the chance to to see it. I should say actually, the card game, um, the Kickstarter only ended uh, about three or four weeks ago. All oh, right. Okay. And well, that makes uh, more I sense, was able right. to just fulfill it. Yeah. Um, before UK Games Expo, and uh, then I took to UK Games Expo and launched it there. All oh, right. Okay. So um, that was that. You know, that was super excited. Um, uh, and it, it, everyone who turned up and played that game absolutely loved it. You know, so the I backers mean, have got good of the backers got their copies then. Yep, yep. It was all fulfilled. I made sure it was all fulfilled. I can't. Okay. Um, I know that some people do this, but in my opinion, again, uh, you can call me opinionated if you like. I think it is wrong to give something to people who are not Kickstarter backers before you yeah. give it to the Kickstarter backers. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's disingenuous. And the wrong way to treat people who believe in your project enough to pledge blind. Yeah. Oh, you, uh, you, I say blind, you know, semi-blind. No, they yeah, no, you planning, mean, no. But... They, they, they're the guys that have, you know... Yeah, they're the guys that supported Castle, it and yeah. put in the yeah. money that made it happen. And yeah. I would never, ever release a game that I said... Um, you know, that, that I said... Okay, well, I'm not going to give this to the Kickstarter guys yet. I'll just take it to a convention. I would never do that. So the game, how long ago did the, the game funded a couple of weeks ago, did you say? And then you've uh, already fulfilled it? It was not very long ago at all. And yes, I have already fulfilled it. Um, in fact, nice. if you give me one moment, I will actually get you the exact date it, it funded. Okay. Um, it is here. And I funded it uh, April the 16th, I funded it. Um... Which is okay. That's now six weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'd fulfilled it by May the twelfth. That is, um, that's pretty good going. That's really good going. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, all props to the artist Sophia. Um, she's worked with me on every single project I've ever done. Yeah, uh, in one capacity or another. Um, she hasn't worked with me on Era Survival uh, in a final art capacity, but she did a lot of the concept stuff. Um, but she did uh, stuff on Era the Consortium, stuff on Era Liars, my low fantasy game. She did everything for Era Silence, my uh, my high fantasy game. Uh, you know, she's worked on absolutely everything I've done, and she did every single card design. Uh, you know uh, that I came up with. She painted it without question in no time flat. It was a joy to work with her, um, and I'm looking forward to working on the next card game with her, which. Uh, <laughs> I've got to either do before or after the first expansion to Champion of Earth. I've already got people bashing my door down asking for <laughs> asking for a Champion Just of Earth. Just asking expansion. for a copy of it. Asking to when it's getting released and kickstarted. Uh, when's the, like when's the next expansion? When's it coming? You know, no, it's fantastic. I want yeah. the next one. Where is it? I guess that's the thing if you run a successful card game because if you run a if you're running like a if you are running an RPG and then you're releasing the rules, I guess people are less likely to say, I want a change to the rules here because it's like well okay well just make some changes then yourself that's completely fine whereas obviously card games where you've got a finite kind of you know text rules values and stuff like that i guess once people have feel they've played enough or even if they just want some more the only way they're going to get that is by you know i guess grabbing your shirt tails and asking you for to release um some more stuff which is yes which is a good position to be in because it's nice to be wanted. It's worse than that. It could be worse than them saying, "Well, I never want to play this game," you know, kind of thing. Um, which is good. No, that's that's a good that's a good kind of success. Let's um, move on to the the dish of the day, which is the current Era current survival. Kickstarter. Yes. Tell the good people out there what Era Survival is all about. Please, because it's currently, it is currently going through the Kickstarter. It is it is currently Monday? It is currently Monday. It is ninety six percent funded, and it ends on Sunday. So, time is short. Time is short. However, um, however, Era Survival, yes, is a game where using my Era D ten rule set, which has been not only is it really easy for people to pick up. But I play with a, two computer scientists, a mathematician, oh, another mathematician, and uh, a, a trained actuary, right? And none of them have yet cracked this system. So if you're worried that your group is going to go away and crack this system in five minutes, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know how you do it. Okay. Right? 
Um, so it plays on this rule set, which is the same rule set across all of my games. Um, the rules are somewhat modular for the uh, various um, genres. So if you wanted to move something like uh, uh, science fiction implants over from Era the Consortium into Era Survival, you could actually do that very easily. Alright, okay. It's designed that way. But Era Survival is a game where humanity is a dying species. Okay? A hundred years ago, something happened. No one really knows, but a parasite was released into the atmosphere. They don't really know if it was a biological weapon that was set off deliberately, or, uh, you know, maybe it was set off accidentally, or maybe something evolved in the atmosphere. But the long and, story, the long and short of it is that it infected everyone with warm blood, everything with warm blood. So birds, whales, um, obviously all mammals... Humans, mm -hmm. everyone is infected. Alright. Um, the only way that humans survive is by taking what's called injection once every day. That fights off the infection and stops you from turning into uh, uh, a mutant. Which will then roam, you know, roam tortured into insanity by the parasites. Um, so the idea is that you enter into this world where there are fast zombies, in inverted commas, which are the mutants. They are creatures which are still alive, um, which are infected. They gain mutations of various shapes and sizes um, from, you know, big legs or big arms or bone armour that grows outside the skin to, uh, you know, being able to actually spew parasites into the atmosphere in their general area. So, you know, they mutate. Then, even if you kill them, unless you destroy the brain, they will get up and keep walking. They'll become shamblers. That's pretty right. Cool. So, uh, you know, kind of the cl the two classic tropes of zombies are both in this game. But that's not where it ends. Humanity, yeah. in general, most people have a very good idea about how people should live. Okay. And it's no different in Era Survival. There are no fewer than 13 different factions each of whom have a really good idea about humanity should survive the post-apocalypse. And each of whom have a very different idea about how humanity should survive the post-apocalypse. So you're standing in the middle. Yeah. And each one of these factions is either wooing you or trying to kill you because you're standing against them. Or no. they're trying to kill other factions and you could easily be in the middle of this firefight. And then on top of that, you have the daily threat of infection... Wandering, you know, m mutants and shamblers wandering around. You have your daily need for injection, otherwise you turn into one. You have a scarcity of food, ammo, weapons. Everything's falling apart. No one's built anything for a hundred years. There aren't guns that are not falling apart. Alright, okay. You know, you, you can't get a sledgehammer without something that's going to fall apart. So you're running around with whatever you have, whatever you've been able to scrounge, trying to survive in this world... And all of this stuff's going on around you, and you're, you know, you are shell shocked every minute. You know, there, there's something that's attacking you. That's that's huge. You know, fifty feet tall, infected. That's mutated, yeah. and it's sort of stomping towards you. What are you doing? I mean, you're running away, but you're not going to get away from that. How do you escape? How do you survive? And that's really what this game is about. Will you actually be able to survive and continue, and you know, also make your own story? Because as with any role-playing game, this is your story. You know, it, are you and your party going to survive this incredibly dangerous world? So have you, um, have you put together scenarios for people to kind of play through, kind of prefabricated scenarios they can play, or do you kind of let, do you give people the rule set and then just let them kind of go ahead and f essentially forge their kind of own adventures? So it really depends. Um, there's no one answer to that question, so you're going to have to forgive me for answering it twice. Mm -hmm. um, we have what's called a rulebook primer. Um, that contains all of the rules. Uh, it contains a limited set of equipment and most of the character creation options. Um, but it's very, very limited in terms of what it gives you. That relies on the GM to come up with everything, right? They, okay. they get a one-page introduction. It's really kind of intended as a player's guide. Um, and it works very well for that purpose because it has all of the equipment you can have as a starting character in it. Um, okay. But but that's kind of 
that's not really the main game. It's really kind of a taster for someone who wants to try it out. The yeah. core rulebook contains information about all the factions, information about all the areas that you might encounter. It contains information about what it's like to live in this world in the form of short stories set, you know, focused on individual characters. It also contains a large number of prefab sessions, as you say. Yeah, um, yeah. And then on top of that, so in this Kickstarter, what we're doing is we've already released that core rulebook. Uh, we did it about a year ago, and it yeah. was a very successful Kickstarter. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were very happy with the results. So what we did is um, we said, look, um, we think we can improve on this. We can make more. So this Kickstarter is actually for expansions to that main rulebook. And the main rulebook's on offer. Um, there's also a definitive edition of the main rulebook, which includes more information that was in the rulebook. So I've expanded it to include new locations, uh, mm. you know, added stuff to the bestiary. I've added um, extra scenarios. I've added extra characters. I've added extra character creation options and so on and so on and so on. It's, it's kind of a deluxe collector's edition because we have a lot of people who really love this game. Really, yeah, really love yeah. this game. And I wanted to give them the opportunity to have sort of a very limited print run of something that's a little more in-depth. You know, if they really want to know more about what era survival is and what it involves, this is the this is the book for you. So, um, how long would a session take? How long? I mean, how long would a full scenario take? As I mean, is it a, is it ten hours? Oh, is the, it my pre-made hours? ones. My pre-made ones. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I try and aim at about four hours. I think that's roughly the average. Yeah. Um, but any any experienced GM would be able to spin that out for longer without too much trouble. No, I mean that's um. That's a really decent kind of size. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it lets you do it in the evening if you want to, or you can spin it out to do two sessions in a day if you yeah. want to do eight hours, right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I often meet up with my friends on a weekend day, and we, we, we actually play era games a lot. You know, Era yeah. the Consortium, Era Survival. Uh, we're about to kick off an Era the Empowered, my superhero game. Um, uh -huh. We're also going to do an Era the Chosen, which is my brand new playtesting game at the moment. Um, that's going to be, the, hopefully, going to be the next one I release. So do you have these genres? I mean, you said you've you've already mentioned that you've got you know five other things kind of in the fire. So is there is there a definitive list? I mean, are you you know um, at the moment? I mean, how, well, going back very quickly to Era Survival. I mean, how mm. much is the campaign? How much is the book going to cost them? How much do they need to to jump on board the survival train? Okay, so to jump on board the survival train, um, if you already own Era Survival, which I assume most people don't, you only need £10 to get all of the expansions that we unlock. And as, excuse me, <clears throat> and as we make stretch goals, we'll unlock extra expansions, right? right so okay. three is the absolute minimum, and you're getting three books for £10. If you That's... want to have the digital rulebook, you yeah. can get the digital rulebook and all of the expansions for £25. If you want the physical rulebook, yeah. uh, you can get that for £45 and get all of the expansions in digital. All right, so okay. So the, the expansions are basically worth £10. Yeah. Right? Um, and the physical rulebook in paperback plus uh, karma cards, which are part of the game. So you have good karma and bad karma. And actually, I'll let your listeners go away and read, read the... Uh, read the Kickstarter about that, and if you have any questions, drop me a comment or a, or a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but karma's a really interesting part of this system, uh, for Era Survival specifically. Um, so you actually get the core rulebook and the cards um, at a knockdown price, plus you get all of the um, expansions that we unlock uh, for just £45. And then if you want the definitive edition rulebook that I mentioned, um, you also get a deluxe um, set of the expansions that we unlock in hardcover. Yeah, okay. And that's for that's for £180, which is the collector's edition. Yeah. But that's, you know, I take it that you know, that's, high, that's, high that's quality. That's everything that you can use. High need, quality yeah. print, um, you know, and all of the expansions that we unlock also in hardback for free. You know, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing extra that you pay for that. Plus the karma cards that I mentioned in a tin box. You know, mm -hmm. a nice little tin box for, for Era Survival. Do you ever go down there, or have you ever considered the accessories route? I mean, would you ever consider getting... Because one of the things that you see, and one of the things that seems to be a, a really big kind of side industry, especially for D&D, &D, is that, you know, the dice. I mean, I know I know of websites that that's what they sell. They sell different dice sets. So 
Um, is that something you would consider offering as something else in addition to what I've, you... I've considered that, and I look at it and I think, okay, if I was backing this project, mm-hmm. you know, it might be nice to have dice, but if I'm honest, the thing I'd prefer more would be miniatures. Yeah. Right? But that's a whole different ballgame, though, because I know, you know, getting miniatures made, and we've spoken to a lot of people where... Okay, well, I mean, recently, the most recent one um, was when we uh, we spoke about um, Ravage, um, which is a which is a game all about kind of orcs going into a dungeon and defeating mm-hmm. bad guys, and that's mm-hmm. using standees. It's not using uh, miniatures. It was uh, Ian Schofield who was right. talking about that, and it came down to the fact that well, I am offering a game here, and it's currently on, still going on Kickstarter. Um, I'm offering a game here that I would like to go down minis, but going down minis would add an extra ridiculous amount yeah. of money to the fu- not only to the funding goal, but to the yeah. the kind of the price as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that a role playing game does not require miniatures to play. Yeah, but I also think that they would be for me a higher priority than dice would. And I have actually been looking into miniatures, and I, um, this one's an exclusive for you. Here you go. Okay. Um, I am looking into miniatures for some of my games. I'm not going to say exactly what, but I've found a way to make it realistic. And, really? Uh, I am hoping, I am hoping to be able to release miniatures along with one of my Kickstarters in the near future. That's fantastic. Because that is a because one of the things I see at, um, at Dwarf at the the club is that they are playing. Um, they are they are playing um, along, and everybody has their little character kind of sitting there so and, and usually what they do is they, they take them from whatever miniatures they've they've currently got right. but i guess if yeah. you've got them purposed for that game yeah i mean then that would make a big difference you know what's the same as looking at uh you know the unique alien species from uh from era the consortium say the Ulutians or the zimians yeah you know what's di- what's you know, there is a difference between looking at, oh, well, this will do. You know, it's a Star Wars Stormtrooper, that'll do. Yeah, or sticking down a Tyranid or, you know, right. or an Orc or, you know, a Chaos Marine or, right. you know, any other, you know, a bad guy from Galaxy Defenders or something like that. You know, you, you, it kind of, you, everybody knows it's meant to represent it. And I guess everybody knows at the same time that it isn't maybe what the character could be. But Yeah, I mean, I, I remember a long time ago, a long, long time ago, I used to play Warhammer 40,000. Um, yeah, and someone in Games Workshop, I, I genuinely don't remember his name, um, but he said, you know what, if you wanted to, you could make a coffee cup of Indicator, right? <laughs> but it wouldn't be anywhere near as much fun, would it? No. And you know, exactly. I, I, I basically stood there and I thought about that for a couple of minutes, and I said, no, you know what, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and... I played Tyranids, so I didn't really, I didn't actually go out and buy a Vindicator, but, no. um, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, for me, if I'm, if I was going to play with miniatures, I would want miniatures of that actual game, and I would not really want to play with miniatures or feel like I had to play with miniatures on a game which didn't provide them. Yeah, yeah, it's as I say, it's a difficult thing because it adds a, a whole new kind of expense and thought and also in miniatures nowadays it's and I'm seeing this more and more it's creating miniatures that don't look like other miniatures that I've seen yeah and I've seen what did I see today and this will date I seen a game today I think it's Helios and what they're doing is they're talking about the Greek gods and it's a miniatures game but what they've done is they've made the miniatures um very kind of robotic looking. So they're doing like the different gods. So you've got Zeus and stuff like that. It's based around Greek, I think it's Greek mythology. So you've got Cerebus and everything like that, and the Hydra and everything along those lines. But they've almost taken them like... Um, right. Do you know, have you seen... You No doubt you being a gamer, you've obviously heard of Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. If you imagine how kind of human beings would be dressed up if they were kind of that, and the creatures would be like that if they were kind of Olymp- Olympic kind of gods and animals mm. and mythical creatures it's kind of like that and that kind of that kind of I kind of that piqued my interest in it because it was somebody that was trying something different that was kind of interesting to me so I guess the thing with miniatures is yes it's kind of crafting your own identity but at the same time it's still kind of making it different enough that people yeah. maybe don't go well that just looks like the same as 
as everything X. else. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand that, and that's why I'm being very careful about which game I decide that I'm going to create miniatures for in yeah. the immediate future. Yeah. Um, because I think there are places where a little more focused design on the individual characters could make them unique and cool in a mm. way that's not you know that's not seen. But then there are some games where that's much harder. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I agree. To, to do yeah. a survival horror game while um, you know while not looking at all of the other tropes, you know, while not looking like any of the other tropes, I should say, um, it's it's hard. It's not easy, and you need some really good character design and some really engaging and exciting characters that make you want to know this thing and understand this thing. And it's managing people's expectations as well because you don't want people and back to this game that I heard, you know I've already seen a couple of comments saying well this doesn't look like a normal game so I'm not sure about how they look like and again it's like if somebody is expecting to have some kind of space alien, do they have the the, the H.R. Geiger space alien in their head kind of thing or do they have a Tyranid in their head which is kind of the same as a Gene Stealer which is kind of the same as you know, a xenomorph, the, you know, all these other mm. kings, it's kind of, unless it's following the direct genre, people are a bit like, oh, this is a bit kind of, um, this is a bit kind of weird looking. You know, that's uh, kind of a bit strange. I mean, you've mentioned all these other projects that you have on the go. Would you jump into other genres? I mean, is there, I know RPG seems to be the place that, you know, and you're expanding into card games, but is there like, is there a miniature game? There for you is there a have you, have you ever pondered kind of like going into other I guess board game mechanics like worker placement and stuff like that has that ever kind of piqued your interest at all? There, there are a few things that I'd like to do that I'm not quite ready to do yet. Okay. Um, I think um, okay, so I'm I'm only sort of four years into you know pr- producing games, right? Um, uh, I mean, yes, okay, I, I worked on Era the Consortium for an extra year before that, but, you know, I've yeah. only been even vaguely known in the industry for, for, for four years now. Um, and I still have more to do with my role-playing stuff. Yeah. But that said, there are other things that I want to do. I have some things that I would like to achieve. Yeah. Um, one of them is a miniatures game, um, somewhat in the in the vein of Descent. Okay. Um, you know, in that you take control of a small number of characters. Um, you know, perhaps a skirmish game or or something similar, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but um, I think that I think that that would be something that would fit very well in some of my universes. Yeah. But um, right now the thing is um. All of my games, it may not be immediately obvious to most people, but all of my games exist in the same universe. Uh, with the possible exception of the card game Champion of Earth. I'll say all of the era games exist in the same universe. Yeah. So, if you look through the books, there are subtle indications about what's going on here. You know, um, mm-hmm. Era Survival has a very strong, relatively speaking, very strong Easter egg. Um, if you go looking for it. And, um, you know, I I have a plan to release, uh, you know, the other role-playing games I was talking about. You know, I've got a, a sort of a, a cyberpunk game planned. I've got a horror game planned. I've got a... Um, and when I say planned, I mean actually pen has been put to paper and we are writing them. Um, cool. I've got a high fantasy game that I'm working through. I've got a, a game that's inspired by JRPGs that I'm working through. Um, JRPGs like Final Fantasy and um, uh, Generations of uh, Generations of War, Agarest, uh was actually a bit of an inspiration for that one as well. Is there um, a notebook that you have? I mean, you sound like a man full of ideas. Have you ever... Is there a notebook that you scribble everything down as quickly as possible not to move it, or are you already quite set in what you want to do? Oh, um, I, I am never set in what I want to do, because when I come up with an idea... Um, I invariably talk to John about it, the the writer I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And he invariably goes, Ed, that's awesome. Can we do this as well? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's brilliant. I have to do that. That's great. And then, and then you know, the, the vision shifts, you know? Yeah. Um, and he may or may not be heavily involved with the project, but, yeah. um, you know, he'll, he'll always contribute something to it. Okay. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have someone to bounce that off. You know, I mean, if anyone out there is thinking of creating games, always have someone who sees things slightly different to you working with you as some level of partner. Yeah, no, no, I know that. That's, that's a yeah, massive yeah. piece of advice from me. Yeah. No, I've definitely seen that um, happen. I've seen that happen a, quite a few times now with the same people say it's, it's all very well having somebody that likes what you like, but also have somebody that Hates kind it. of likes also stuff that you don't like kind of thing, yeah. just so they can give an alternative get an alternative kind of, kind of viewpoint right. on it. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, are you are you yeah. are you doing this? Are you doing this full time? I take it are you still working away? No, on... I I still work a full time job. Whoa. Yeah, I work a, I work a forty hour a week full time job. Are I'm a project manager. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, don't so worry, is... I'm one of the good kind. I'm one of the kind that lets you get on with your work. Um... <laughs> I didn't realize there probably is evil project managers. Oh, there there are evil project managers. Believe me, definitely. Um, I'm sure there's. Um, I'm sure a couple of them crop up in Temp Worker Assassins. They kind of that card. I I ran into that one at UK Games Expo, and it is amazing. Did you play it? I did play it, and it did is you, amazing. Did it's you get fun. it? I did not get it. Um, oh. I was I was there to work, and I didn't actually have any money with me. Oh, right, um, okay. Because I knew I knew that I would be kidding the candy shop if I did. Yeah, I mean, I'm, know, I'm, I'm, I was like, well, no. we've all seen. I think we've seen the kind of the Kickstarter group saying the kind of the pre pre expo sale and people kind of clearing out seventy kind of uh, plus board games before they go to the expo. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a post expo sale of people that have uh, decided that they now cannot pay their gas, their electricity, their food bill, their MOT yep. for their car because they they happen to uh, they happen to pick up some games. No, um. Uh-huh. um if you, yeah, I mean, um, Temp Worker is, um, and this is uh, obviously other online stores are available, but um, when Dave Newton was on, because we've had Dave on, who wrote the game mm-hmm. and designed the game, mm-hmm. um, he did have copies available on the biggest river in South America. <laughs> obviously, other big rivers are available. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> if you know, if you know that nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Kind of thing, you know, yes. which is always, yeah, no, no, I, always... I, I, yeah, no, I, I get it. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a good game. But um, it sounds like you have a lot of um, irons in the fire. You sound you're very, very passionate about what you do, and I yeah. take it the next goal is to see how it's the worst case scenario about being a creative person and then having to pay the bills at the same time because you always end up having to do some kind of job in order to keep a kind of a roof over your head until you're able to kind of do it on a full-time basis. I, I take it, is that the kind of the the dream going forward is to get to your point where you're basically doing this full-time? Yeah, I mean, I would love to do that. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a long way to go yet. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, again, I think this comes from being a project manager. I'm very realistic about all this. Yeah. And... You know, uh, I mean, the the first thing that anyone ever asks me when I go to a job interview, as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, Shades of Vengeance is on my CV. You know, um, I'm not I'm not ashamed of it in any way. Um, and uh, you know, the first thing they ask is, uh, you know, how how do you manage your 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 games and your work? And, <laughs> the, clue, uh, the clues in my skill set. <laughs> and and I, I I usually just answer by saying, look, I've been doing it for five years and I've never yeah. yet had a complaint. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, and anyone who's wondering how you find the time to be a game designer while working a, a full-time job, use every single minute. You know, I'm yeah. I'm sat here talking to you right now. Um, that's using that's using these minutes in order to talk about my games and help people understand that there's more stuff out there that they've never heard of. Right? Absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. you know, if they've never heard of Temp Worker Assassins, I recommend it. I don't recommend it as much as my games because that would be silly, but. I do recommend it. It's good fun. Ah, they're in different um, spaces, so it's always worthwhile. Indeed, it's always worthwhile having a, a quick. But okay, okay. And speaking of that side hmm. of things, if people have listened tonight and they are interested in kind of staying in contact, finding out more, obviously we're going to put the the link to the Kickstarter in hmm. the show notes, hmm. as we say, so we've got notes to show. But where can they find you on the internet webs? Um, well, the first thing I should say is actually one other thing that our company does that is somewhat unique hmm. is we run a service that we call Imagine RPG. All right. 
Um, and uh, although it's called Imagine RPG, we haven't actually kind of renamed it or anything yet. We are more than capable of doing card games as well. We actually help people who don't know how to get their idea from A to B to C. Okay. Um, we help them do that, and we do it by, and we entirely self-fund through doing a Kickstarter with them. Right. Oh, so okay. you don't you don't pay bills to us. You aren't then beholden to us unless hmm. you do something that's obviously deliberately trying to to sort of end the agreement. Like you cancel the Kickstarter when it's yeah. halfway through, or yeah. um, you know, uh, or you know, you deliberately pull out or or whatever. Unless you do something like that, we actually follow you through. We will give you advice. We will work with you. We will help you complete your game. We'll find you artists that fit your genre. We'll okay. find you uh, people who will do the work for a price that you are willing to pay. We um, we will find you writers or supply some of our own writers to you, and so on and so on and so on. Because the thing is that um, if someone had helped me when I first made Era of the Consortium, I wasted a lot of money, a lot of money, on getting that out the door. And it is only, honestly, through massive stubbornness that I managed to get it get it from A to B to C and get to where I am now. Uh, brilliant. Um because, you know, it, it was it was hard. I had some really, really dark days during that time. Yeah. Um and uh you know, if someone had been there to help me, I would have jumped at it like a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a massive amount of money that I could just pay someone to develop my game for me. I didn't want to go to a publisher because I wanted to hang on to the IP. Um, and I didn't want my my baby changed, you know. And and so when John and I went to our first convention in Canada that I've mentioned a couple of times now, um, you know, we said, "Look, we can do this." You know, <laughs> um, we we can make sure that you keep your IP. You know, you won't get the money that you might get from a publisher. Yeah, you'll have to promote it yourself. But if you're willing to put the time and effort in, we'll help you get there without wasting the money the way we did. So where can they find that um, then? How, how do so they you can find it? that at imaginerpg.com. Okay. Um, and and where about find... the rest of you? Where... Uh, the rest Not... of us is yes. is at shadesofvengeance.com. Cool. Um, that's uh, uh, V-E-N-G-E-A-N-C-E. A lot of people have trouble spelling vengeance, but okay. that's the correct spelling. Well, there'll be no. We'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so that um, everybody can kind of track that down. Is there a Facebook page? There is a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Shades of Vengeance. And Twitter? There is a Twitter. It is, and I'm breaking the mould here because Shades of Vengeance didn't fit, at Shades underscore of underscore Venge, V-E-N-G-E. That's pretty good. And uh, is that where they can find you as well? Is that is it your, do you kind of run the Twitter account? Uh, yeah, I run the Twitter account, I run the Facebook account, um, I also uh, receive all of the emails that contact us that come from our website. It all cool. goes to me for the time being. I'm uh-huh. trying to find a minion to do that, but uh, I haven't found one of those yet. <laughs> so I'm doing it all myself for now. Alright, you need to get an intern. I think uh, Peter Blinken had a couple of them kicking about for inside the box board games, I think. <laughs> That this sounds been... uh, uh, highly, highly morally acceptable to me. It's <laughs> fun. Yeah, you could tell again. Yeah, it's it's it, it probably works wonders. Um, it certainly worked wonders for uh, for Subterra. Um, listen, Ed. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, it's always I'm always it's always a delight to you know to to hear somebody's story as well, especially somebody that's kind of like obviously. Sounds like this has been something you wanted to achieve since quite an early age. You've always been creating all the way through to what you're doing just now. So we wish you kind of all the success in the future. Thank um, you very much. And we will make sure that the the Kickstarter link is kicked far and wide because this is what we do on Quick Start on the Kickstart. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then you can go to our website, which is uh, we'renotwizards.com. You can email us, which is magic at we'renotwizards.com. I am aware of the irony of that email address. You can find us on Facebook, which is We're Not Wizards. You can find us on Twitter, which is We're Not Wizards. On Instagram, which is We're Not Wizards. If you fancy, um, for some reason, the lovely people at Podbean keep automatically putting our episodes up on the YouTubes as well. So if you search for We're Not Wizards, 
tabletop podcast, you'll find us. We're always interested in subscribers on YouTube because once we hit the magic hundred, then we get to have the youtube.com forward slash we're not wizards, which will be wonderful. Um, if you've liked what you hear tonight, you can find us through the normal, well, if you're hearing us for the first time, uh, you can always pick us up on Acast and Stitcher. And we're also on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you like what you've heard tonight. And uh, Ed has been a fascinating gentleman to listen to. Thank you very much. Then leave us a review. Now, as we say, and the joke is wearing thin, but it's episodes, <laughs> but we don't care. Um, don't leave us 10 stars, because that'll make us head far too big. And don't leave us a one, because that'll make us cry. Leave us something in the middle, like a five. You know, because it's kind of average, and we are decidedly average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful, interesting, RPG, ten-sided, dice-rolling gentleman that is known as Ed Jowett. So thank you again for coming on. I hope you hope you had a good time, Ed. Thank you very much. I absolutely did. Brilliant. Now, there's two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Ed? We are not wizards. We are simply creators. Fantastic. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's, again, once again, it's goodbye from... The rather wonderfully interesting Mr. Ed Jowett. Say goodbye, Ed. Goodbye, everybody, and thank you for listening to me ramble. (laughs) It's been fantastic. And it's a goodbye from me. Stay safe. Roll tens. Watch out for these zombie mutations coming at you. Make sure you take your injection at least once a day. And check out this Kickstarter before it disappears. And keep an eye out for what Ed does next, because it sounds really, really interesting. But until the next time, goodbye.